0: Today, we're going to begin a, a new series. It's catapulting off of a, a lot of things. One, just our understanding of actually living in this spiritual battle, um, putting on the armor and what that means. Also, just taking note of of what's happening in the world around us. We We live in a in a real place. We live in a real time, in a real world, and, and we need to address and identify that and, and just take a look at what scripture has to say. The Bible is not silent. The Bible is all sufficient. The Bible has the answers to our great questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? The Bible has the answers to all these political debates that we have. The Bible is not even close to being silent on these things. Now, have we withdrawn our, ourselves from the word? Unfortunately, too often, yes. Do we rebel from the word? Yes. Do we choose to follow other voices? Philosophy and psychology and science and degrees. Yes, we do. And so we want to take a look at what truth is. We want to understand that truth matters. Never before in human history has it mattered more than it does now when we live in a society that, by definition, has chosen, chosen a religion called postmodernism that literally denies truth, it undermines the underbelly of that there is even a truth to be found. Think about that for just a second, that the philosophy of this age is is preaching to us, is teaching our children, there is no absolute truth. Okay, now let me teach you. Teach me what? You just told me fifth grade teacher that there's no absolute truth and you want to teach me science. You just told me professor that there's no absolute truth. And you want to tell me what morality is? Well, I would quote Romans. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you can define truth? We have people screaming in the streets right? Yelling and screaming and their whole pre pre-supposition is why do you think you can tell me what to do? So I'm going to yell at you and tell you what to do. How does that make any sense at all? That defies logic, right? Well, what's your absolute moral standard? What's your absolute truth? What do you live by? I, I always want to ask that question when I hear, you know, a debate or an interview, it's like time out, time out. What does that person actually believe in? You know, or somebody's giving a, you know, testifying, you know, giving their testimony. It's like, and the, you know, do you, you know, so tell the truth. Be, you know, um, yes, I do. Right. It's like, well, based on what? They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in absolute truth. They don't believe in God. So, what do you, what do you, who are you swearing to? So you can get up there and lie because, I mean, you you know, you don't believe in in anything real. Well, we need to put all this together, and there's so many different things going on that we need to take a look at this. And so I wanted to start with with, uh, the Good Shepherd. I want to start with me. Let's start with addressing who I am and what my role is. And I want to begin in Ezekiel 33. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon a land and the people on the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land and he blows on the trumpet and warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take the warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take the warning. His blood will be on himself. But had he taken a warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning for me. And when I say to the wicked, "O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. That's a picture of the watchman. That's a picture of the shepherd. That's a picture of the pastor. My job is to be the watchman. In this illustration, the watchman is is looking for the, the man with the sword, the man with the sword who's coming our way, the army with the sword that's coming our way to kill us. And as the watchman, the watchman sees that, and blows the horn so that you're warned, so that you know what's coming. If the watchman doesn't do that, and the people suffer from that, the consequences <coughs> of the watchman not warning, that's on the watchman. That's the accountability of the watchman. And the and the verse says, His blood I will require from your hand. I I am held accountable by God to be your watchman, to be your watchman. And so, when we look at this new series called Truth Matters, remember we talked about the the armor of God, the belt of truth, the belt of truth. What, what, our armor is not a belt. Our armor is truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Our, our armor is not a breastplate. Our, 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 right, our, our armor is the righteousness that we live in following the truth. We're called in Ephesians 6 to be on alert, to be ready to make a defense. Again, as a watchman, it's my job to, to, to look, to watch, to see, and, and if need be, put warning labels, right? We have warning labels and protection all over the place. My favorite's the mattress, you know, and you're not allowed to remove it. Some of you've been around a while. Has the mattress police ever come to your house, but you won't take off the tag, will you? And oh, we have labels. We have signs, no trespassing. Um, why to pro- to protect us. They have saw tables now that, you know, because to protect you, the, the saw will start, stop. So you can put a hot dog there and boom, the saw will stop before the saw would just take off your thumb, like my brother-in-law. Well, the, the, the protection is there so that you don't lose a, th- a thumb. You know the signs that say, do not feed the bears? <laughs> Again, maybe it's just the evil in me. I want to feed the bears. They look cute. They just want a little food. If I feed them we're friends what harm can there be? Well you know the truth is I don't know what the harm is. Somebody else does and somebody's warning me not to feed the bears. Maybe it's for their benefit, maybe the bear might have the little snack that I have and my hand. I don't know. But maybe I should not feed the bears. Um my daughter Charlotte's learning how to drive and there were, you know, they show the videos, right? You know what? We're going to tell you what not to do. We're going to tell you what to do, wear the seatbelt, you know, all this stuff. And then you know, what we're going to do, we're going to show you videos of what happens when you don't follow and obey the rules and it's graphic. Well, that's part of my job too. Sometimes I need to show you the video. This is what happens when you don't obey the word of God. There are consequences. There are consequences in what happens in your life now. There's a ripple effect in what is so hard and that something you did 10 years ago can still affect you today. And there's the ultimate consequence of by not bowing your knee before the throne of God, ending up in hell. And so again, as a, as a good shepherd, it's my job to then not only warn you, but to then also show you the video. And so some of our coming attractions that we're going to address is we're going to, we have to look and identify false teachers. That's why we read Matthew 23 first. Jesus on the earth was very harsh and critical to who? The sinner? No, he was very gentle, kind and forgiving. He was harsh and critical to the Pharisee, the religious man who should have known better, but who was a hypocrite. Hypocrite, woe to you. That, again, is a warning directly to me. But we need to look at false teaching, false religions, false philosophies. Well, I want to take a closer look at, you know, we we throw out these little one-liners about you know, current events and things like, you know, climate crisis or politics or, you know, what's going on with racism or LGBTQ and all that. It's like, well, let's take some time and actually let's really dive into that and and address it biblically because the Bible has a lot to say and we want to be clear about what God's word says. We want to look at things like, you know, we hear a lot about mental illness, uh, anxiety and, and depression and things like ADD. Was the Bible? Is the Bible silent on that? And the Bible says, do not be anxious for tomorrow will take care of itself. Um, the Bible's not silent. We got to look out for things like catchphrases. You'll see them on billboards and signs, you know, all over town. And you'll see, you know, there's a commercial right now. He gets us. <laughs> Jesus gets us. What, is, what does that mean? Or, you know, God loves you. No exceptions. Is that, is that a complete truth? Is, is that a, is, does, that, does the love mean what biblical love means? Does that phrase mean what, what you, you think it means? What about the idea? Hey, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge me. Do we judge? Yeah, we judge. We have a rule and a standard by which we judge. You can't do that. You can't kill can't kill or can't murder. I should say can't murder. Why? Because the Bible says so I, I can say that is not the right thing to do because the Bible now I can't be a hypocrite, right? And be, you know, the green river killer and, and be telling everybody not that would make me a hypocrite. So we have to understand these catch phrases. Keep in mind, everybody loves Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus. Everybody loves the name of Jesus. As long as you don't define him, as long as you're not exclusive with him, as long as you're not specific with like, well, what Jesus are you talking about? There's a very different version of Jesus in, in uh, Islam, in Hinduism, in Mormonism, in Christianity in Catholicism. These are all different Jesus's. So which one keeping in mind, the devil is in the details. The details change everything. The details change everything. We need to look at that. And so is the role of the watchman and taking a look in, in, in in a closer look, what is the good shepherd today? We want to look at what is the good shepherd in John 10. And I want to look at four specific roles of the good shepherd. The good shepherd defends the flock. The good shepherd protects the flock. The good shepherd secures the flock and the good shepherd sacrifices for the flock. And so John 10, starting at verse one, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the good shepherd defends the flock from who? From thieves and robbers. From thieves and robbers. The good shepherd looks after his sheep. He keeps an eye out for them, like the watchman, and, and it's and it's his duty. To to guard, to to defend the flock. Why? There is a clear and present danger of thieves and robbers. We just went through a study, Ephesians 6, that the schemes and the plot of of the wicked one, they're there. We're in a battle. So the enemies are there. The thieves and the robbers are trying to get the sheep. Who are the sheep? You're the sheep, okay? Okay. The believers are the sheep. And so, we know that the evil one is trying to get you and trying to snatch you. And like any coward, a thief tries to be sneaky. A a coward doesn't earn something. A coward tries to take a shortcut. A coward tries to take from somebody else. Satan has always tried to steal from God and God's people. And so, the shepherd has to guard against these thieves and robbers. That means there are people who are trying to, hear me, steal you. Steal you to what? To their side. To the other side. That's at play right now. Are are you alert on that? That you're trying to be taken right now? Matthew 18 gives another picture of the mindset of the shepherd, where the shepherd will leave the 99 to go get the one. Why? Because he's accountable for all 100. Everybody there, the shepherd is accountable for, to, to defend, to guard. And he will go out and go get that one, if that one is missing. We see a beautiful pattern going back to, Psalm 23, uh, just understanding the the depths of, of a shepherd, the Lord, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The shepherd defends his flock, even while the flock is eating. The shepherd is there protecting the flock in the presence of the enemies with the rod and staff in hand to fight off the enemy. It's a beautiful picture of how the the rod and the staff defends from who? From the wolves. So the shepherd is ready to fight off the wolves. Some practical examples of this are, are I have to defend i have to guard this pulpit this this is where we teach from and so it's it's my role my job to to defend this pulpit so that the people who not anybody can just come up here and, and just teach and preach cuz we defend the truth that comes out of this pulpit why so that another voice another belief doesn't attempt to to steal you to steal your heart's and mind away so we guard this pulpit we defend i defend the the doctrine and the theology that takes place within our congregation our community so whether it's a, a bible study a prayer group a men's meeting a ladies it doesn't matter what it is that, it, that it's my job and role again to defend and guard the flock from bad doctrine from da- bad theology which is easy it's 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 not a it's not an attack on people it's an easy thing to have False teaching. So we have to guard it. That's why I went and you know, devoted three and a half years to, to training and studying bad theology, good theology, bad books, good books, different you know, religious denominations so that I would have a clear understanding and I could hear it and see when the creeping sneakiness is trying to infiltrate. This is why we have qualifications for an elder, why we have guidelines for leadership. So that those people are properly vetted as well. Why? In understanding God's truth. Why? Because that's what we teach and preach. That's where it all comes from God's word. And the problem is, well, the sheep, you guys don't have just one door to get this information anymore. Now there's not just a front door and a back door and a side door but there's your radio, your TV, your podcast. There's so many different ways that can come and infiltrate you and try to snatch you that it's hard for the shepherd to be a watchman of all these different things and keep you on alert and ready to defend. But here's the thing, and this is one of the reasons why we're doing this is, again, it is my role and my job and my duty. I want you guys to understand this. I I don't take pleasure in naming names and attacking other ministries and religions and, and, and views that that's not really where I get my kicks, but I am called to blow the horn. And you guys have to understand that you guys have to understand that. Sometimes we're going to sound the alarm. Beware. And it's one of the transitions that I do think that I need to make is sometimes I do need to name names. Um, Especially when they are putting it out there, Um, then we have to defend that. That's my job. Well, the second role, the second aspect of a good shepherd is to take that defense and then actually to put it into motion by protecting the flock. Protecting the flock. Verse 8 or verse 4. When he puts forth all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger, they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, truly, truly, I say to them, I am the door of the sheep. All who come, who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. And so there's a a dual responsibility here. One is for you, the sheep, to know the voice of the shepherd. What's the voice of the shepherd? The voice of the shepherd, my voice specifically, should be the the voice of the word of God. So you could recognize truth from me because you recognize truth from the word. When I say something that does not sound right, you know what we should do? We should all have, you know, many wives, the alarm bell should go off. Where does it say that in scripture? And so we are going to, to challenge you on that and say, well, where in scripture does it say that we're supposed to do that? Well, this is just a new insight I have. No, no. And and so you, you should know the right voice And, and, and my voice, should parrot the word of God. And so, really, it's not my voice at all. It's, it's just preaching God's word. And, and that's the voice that you should know of the shepherd. That's part of the continuity and the consistency of, of having a leader and a teacher. It's not that that one individual is necessarily the only one, they're not the only one. But it gives a consistency for, for people to, and the continuity. And that's a good thing. And so people can recognize, okay, we, we understand the flow. We understand where we've been and where we're going. And it lines up with God's word. And so the flock should know, should know what it sounds like, what the word of God sounds like. That, that, that is, is what sounds right. Now, when you hear that, 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 that warning cry, I'm going to tell you something new today. That's not the time to get excited and open up your notebooks and get your pens out and go, this is new stuff. Awesome. Let's hear it. That's time for you to turn your pencil around and turn it into a knife and go, you better be careful, preacher. Because what you're about to say, if it's new and not true, is blasphemy, is heresy, and you're leading me astray. But we've gotten away from that. We, we like the idea. Ooh, goody, goody, goody. Something new. Something new is probably not true. I don't need anything new. I need something consistent with the Word of God. That's what you should crave and desire. That's the voice. That's the recognizable voice. Now, this group of sheep is recognized as they don't listen to the voice of strangers. They don't listen to the voice of strangers. You, you need to be on guard. And let me be very, very careful here. I'm not saying that you can't ever read other books or listen to other preachers or pastors, but you know what? You need to be careful. You need to be on guard because there's a lot of blind guides. That's what Jesus called the Pharisees in Matthew 23 that we read earlier. There's a lot of blind guides out there that are, they're blind and they're trying to lead you. And so you have to be careful not to listen to the foreign voice, the foreign voice that's different than God's word. Psalm 1 warns us, warns us about this idea. Do not walk in the path of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. That's that's a warning. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're following you have to be on guard. And so the good shepherd then is there to protect the flock, but it's hard if the flock isn't listening. It's, it's hard if the flock is listening to too many other voices and standing where they shouldn't be and walking where they shouldn't be with people they shouldn't walk with and sitting in the chair and listening to teachers and voices that they shouldn't listen to. That that's, that's a a lot of bad information coming in. So some of the practical examples, and we'll get into more details as the weeks go by, but you know, we, we can't be as sheep. We can't be biblical lazy. Okay? We, we have to dive into God's word and understand a couple things like, like, here's a verse, Revelation 22:19. At the end of the Bible, at the end of God's word, he leaves us with this: Be careful, you don't add or subtract to this word. That's a warning to us. And if you add to my word, and if you take away from my word, I will give you the plagues described in the book of revelation. How's that for a warning? How's that for seeker, sensitive, soft? That's, that's a warning. That's a harsh warning. You better be careful how you add to God's word. Okay. With that in mind, Sheep tend to be a little naive. They wake up in the morning. They want to go out. They want to go in the the middle of the field. They just want to eat and, you know, be together with other sheepy, right? They just sit there. Ho hum. Don't care what's going on. Don't know. We'll follow the crowd and the group. They're oblivious. Well, this is how the robbers and the thieves come in. And so they come out with like super cool movies, Jesus movies, right? They're, They're going to show you the things that that the Bible didn't show you. Why? Cause you need to add to the Bible. It's not enough. You need more. So one of the little deep dives that I did recently was looking at just, just some clips, just a, a couple. I mean, I probably in total 20 minutes of the chosen, right? And a, again, it's like here we, we have a ton of adding a ton of subtracting a ton of diluting the truth, embellishing the truth, contradicting the Bible, adding all these backstories to the characters that are not in the Bible. So we have, you know, John the Baptist is creepy John the Baptist now. That should be enough to turn it off right there. Um, Matthew is autistic. For some reason that needs to be in there. Peter is uh, yeah, okay, Peter's a sinner, so I guess we can just say, well, then he was a gambler and adulterer. Um, see, th- these these are things that are being added to Scripture. Why? Because the Bible isn't descriptive enough. We, we need more. We need to identify with them. Uh, the Jesus of the chosen, is he the Jesus of the Bible that walks into town and says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near? Well, not so far in two seasons where he's said that like twice, but what's always expressed is you got to find your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart, touchy feely, touchy feely, touchy feely. It's an incomplete gospel. Yes, we have to guard our hearts, but we have to follow God's word. There's a time of repentance. You have to have the balance. And so portraying Jesus is a very difficult thing to do. Why I would never want to do it. I would never want to act. I would never want to write a movie. We have God's word. We have plenty of God's word. We don't we need to add to it and get some kind of, you know, insight into to Jesus. Right. It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. What about this? W- what if you knew that the owner of the series, the CEO and the executive producer, the one who produces the movies? What if, what if they were Mormon from another religion, which they are? Do you think maybe there's some influence there that you should be cautious of? What if you knew this? What if you knew this? That there are plans. What are the plans of this movie series, The Chosen? The plans are to have seven series. I guess they've just finished the second one. The plan is to have seven. Okay. You know what the plan is after that? The plan is to have another series. It's the Joseph Smith series. And you know what the plan after that is? It's the Mormon series. They're not even hiding who they are. And we have people that are having like churches and groups that are having parties. This is not the path. Um, and we have to be careful. And yes, they are clever. And yes, they, um, production value and all that kind of stuff usually do a, an amazing job, which is why it becomes even more dangerous. There's another really you know, popular movie right now, the Jesus Revolution, which has a lot of great aspects to it. But, but we have to be careful how we portray things like, like sin. Are we glorifying sin? So when you have super pretty, attractive people who, you know, who are partaking in sin, but at the end of the story, you know, they all love Jesus and everything. It's like, yeah, but the whole story was like, just like a a fun part. That's, that's not what we're trying to portray. Um, and again, let me be gracious. They're trying to produce good movies. It's just not easy. Um, You know, in in Jesus Revolution, there's a couple, you know, they're very, very um uh you know they highlight the experiential and the emotionalism, the experiences and the emotions. Well, those are dangerous things that can be that can be counterfeited. So we have to be on guard with that. And we'll talk more about these things. Um but but it's like broken clocks, right? A broken clock can be right twice a day. So these things may have tons of element of truth in them. But what do we do with the, with the, with the prophet who's wrong once? We stone him. Because if we can't trust that guy, if you can't trust the teacher, then, then, then we're deceived. And that's what we have to be on guard with. And so part of my job as a good shepherd is to protect you from the books, from the podcasts, from the many different gates and the many different openings from the false teaching, the, the, the movements, the health, wealth, and prosperity, the, the seeker friendly, the easy believism, the charismatic chaos, the experiential emotionalism, the progressive Christianity. And Hey, can't we all just get along? aren't we all just going to the same place and it's all the same thing anyway? No, that's called polytheism. Unitarianism, That's, we, we, we've had that for the beginning of time. And so that is my job is to protect you from these things, to defend and protect. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but the reality is we have to be on alert. Well, the third role and aspect is a good shepherd secures the flock secures the flock. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. This is Jesus talking, right? He's the door. He's the way. He's the the entrance. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. And I shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's supposed to alert you. Okay? Okay. That's not like, hey, eh, just wants you to wear a different color jersey. The goal is to kill and destroy you. You should be awake at that point. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Jesus came to give us life and give it abundantly. He tells us, I am the door. Does that sound familiar? Remember the sheep recognize the sheep recognize things. I am the door. I am the way I am the way, the truth and the life. No one gets to the father, but through the son, there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. There's no other way. And so the the one way entrance is Jesus. Jesus is the door. We better know who that Jesus is. We've got to know because there's a lot of doors what's behind door number three that are deceptive and can lead to your death and your destruction. Now, God's not here to be, you know, to just slam doors in our faces. In fact, the door, come on in, you go through the door of Jesus. It's, it's no different than on the ark. Look, Noah built an ark for a hundred years. Hey Noah, what are you doing? God told me to build an ark. He's going to send a flood for a hundred years. Noah preached the same thing when God brings judgment. The only way to be saved is to go through that door on the ark. Everybody else dies one way to the father. It's a pattern that we see throughout the Bible. And so we have to resist the temptation to follow those other entrances. There's security in this entrance. There's security in, in following Jesus and, and following His way and entering in... What is it? It's pasture. It's heaven. It, it's, it's us together as the, the Christian community, the, the fellowship of believers. And that's my job is to secure this, to make sure that that we're all safe so that there's nobody in here who's a, a wolf and sheep's clothing. There's nobody in here looking to rob or steal or to misguide or mislead intentionally or unintentionally. It, it really doesn't matter. We were talking last week or a couple weeks ago about some of the, the, you know, the pastors that are, are, are pretty wicked and do some pretty bad things and are charlatans and thieves. And it's like, well, you know, do they do it on purpose or as an accident? It's like, it doesn't matter. False preaching's false preaching. I, I don't really need to quote, unquote, judge the motive, I can look at the result. And so the shepherd helps is, is preserving and securing the sheep who've been saved by Jesus. Jesus has, has saved us. He's protected us and shielded us. And so my job is to step in and, and be a part of that process and not only securing, but helping to give life abundantly. Again, we're not here to be killjoys. Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly, not to seek and destroy. And so, a a good shepherd is is helpful in that process. Our our life has has purpose. Our life has has meaning. Look, a, a sheep has go go to like the, the the fair. Sheep do all kinds of things. They provide you know food. You can eat sheep. You can have you know them as food. You can drink their milk, uh, their, their horns, their hooves turn into tools and horns. And, you know, you can use their, their wool as clothing. I mean, sheep have purpose. You have purpose. We have different gifts and talents that the Lord has given us to, to use. God gave us life to live it, to live it with purpose, to glorify him, to have joy. And so While you're doing that and enjoying and having a good time and, you know, not trying to be, you know, so um, uh, at times, you know, oppressive with, you know, well, I'm not allowed to watch this movie, listen to that song, watch this TV, go here, go there. It just all feels, you know, oppressive. It's like, well, look, understand that the good shepherd, the watchman, is like a bouncer. I mean, is a bouncer a good guy or a bad guy? What's the bouncer's job? To, to stand at that door and to make sure that the people who come in know you're just here to have a good time. If you don't want to have a good time, if you want to do wicked and evil things, then stay out. But in here, we, this is where we live life and live it abundantly. But, but we have to guard and protect that to secure, to secure this, this great life that God has in store for us. Somebody's got to do it. So the watchman secures the front door. You know, parents, right? Parents want the best for their children. Parents want their children to have a great life, to have great lives. You know, so parents, all right, well, then I want to go here. You can't go there. Okay, well, I want to do this. Well, you can't do that. Well, I want to stay out this late. No, you can't stay out there. It's like, what, what? You don't, you don't let me do anything. I can't have any fun. Sure, you can have fun. Come through this door right here and in the pasture behind me, that's where all the fun is. All the other doors, all the other stuff, be careful. Some of it will kill and destroy you. It's like Russian roulette. Well, finally, the good shepherd, the good shepherd sacrifices for his flock Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Now keep in mind, by the way, th- th- this is Jesus. And so I, I'm, I'm not pretending at all to be Jesus. Okay. Uh, I, I dare to to uphold my duty, my role, my responsibility using the example of Jesus. He is the example. He's my example. And so I'm going to do my best to, to walk like Christ, to be like Christ, to follow him. Um, so I'm not making a an equivalence of myself to, to Jesus. But in this example that Jesus is giving here, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus already did that. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay, my, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because... I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one has taken away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. We see this beautiful picture here of, of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, of, of how he laid down his life for us, the, the, the flock to give us life, to give it abundantly. And that's my job too. My job is also to be able and willing to sacrifice my life when the wolves come in. This is intimate. It's personal. Um, There may be Probably in most of our life, we haven't had those kind of opportunities, but I tell you, you go to other countries, you go to Muslim countries, you go to China, you go to North Korea, um, different places of the world today. And as a pastor, you might have to literally physically lay down your life. Are you willing to do that? A small example of that. And and much simpler is, you know, you look at COVID. And the opportunity as a pastor to say, "Well, look, if it means that I go to jail or do, do you know by because I'm here opening the doors and preaching, well then am I willing to sacrifice in that way?" Well, in that case, yes. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called not only to, um, to defend the flock, to protect the flock. And to secure the flock, but if if, if all that comes to being, you got to go through me, and, and, and it takes me, then that's what it takes. It's it's the wily coyote, right? Matthew seven fifteen says that a shepherd needs to fight off the wolves. Get this, in sheep's clothing. Wily coyote. Some of you grew up on those cartoons. Wiley Coyote didn't walk in in his wolf outfit, right, with weapons in hand and say, Here I am at the door. I'm here to take the sheep. No, he camouflaged himself in all kinds of different gear to hide himself as a wolf. Why? Because he's a wolf disguised as a sheep. So, what does that mean? Take a deep breath. That means the people in the room that could be deceptive wolves. That means in our Christian community, right? In our Christian community, the wolves that are in sheep's clothing. The, the preachers, the pastors, the, the singers, the songs. I was talking a couple of weeks ago about you know, uh, a a very, very popular, you know, musical group. And it's like, well, are they good or bad? It's like, that's hard to judge at times. And then you're looking at individuals. So when you got a band of 30 people, are all 30 people bad? Or is it just the two people? And it's like, but is it possible that there's wolves in sheep clothing, disguised as sheep, but they're actually wolves that are leading you slowly away from that? Well, come to find out a couple of them were, um, it can happen. All that to say, we just have to be on guard for it on guard because it happens. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And this is the scary part from within, they're going to look like sheep. And and let me start here. The preacher is going to look like a sheep, but he's a wolf. The elder is going to look like a sheep, but he's a wolf. The the Sunday school teacher, the the guitar player, the it it trickles to the we we have to be on guard, right? Well, that that that's part of my role, is is to be on guard and to to vet and to protect, and then to be willing to make make those sacrifices. Why my authority? My authority wasn't to to die and be resurrected. I don't have the authority to do that. What I have the authority to do is to defend and protect and secure and sacrifice. I have the authority to do that. I have the authority to be selfless, to think of you before I think of me. That I have the authority to do. I have the authority to protect this pulpit, this ministry with God's word. I have the authority to do that. If I'm not quoting God's word, then you have the role and responsibility to be able to challenge that. Um, It's recorded. You just heard it. You can always come back and say, well, you said, yes, you can. Okay. That's why I'm saying it. Ezekiel 33, the watchman, I am accountable. Don't you ever forget that. I am accountable before God to not only blow the horn, but to warn you. So I don't blow the horn and warn you because I take that lightly. I try to be very gentle, as gentle as I can, to, to be very kind. But there is a time and a place where we've got to blow the horn. And as we draw near the end, closer and closer, that horn's going to have to be blown. James 3.1, there's a warning. Don't let many of you become teachers, to become shepherds. Why? There's a greater... Accountability on me. If I were to say somebody's name or some denomination or some and, and 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 criticize them wrongly, I'm accountable for that. That's why 1 Timothy 3 1, the qualifications of an elder, the, which, which I am an elder first and foremost, the qualification begins with being above reproach. I, I have to be above reproach in that. Well, as we look at that and understand, as we look forward to truth matters, why are we doing it? We're doing it because as a shepherd, I I have to be a watchman. And so this is part of the process. The other thing we have to understand and the elephant of the room is, hey, look, as sheep, it's like, I just want to go out and eat, right? and 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 live. I don't want to have to like worry about all every movie and what kind of weird things are in there and who's producing them and where, where this, stuff. I don't want to have to think about all that. I, I do. Sheep tend to, you know, judges 17 six. Look, I, there was no King. And so what did they do? They did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, Proverbs says it five different times. That man is 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 destined to do a way that seems right, but it its end leads to death. Its end leads to death. Um, the naive believes everything, all of that. It's all good. It's a Christian author. It's all good. No, it's not. Um, that that naivety leads Proverbs fourteen twelve through sixteen leads. A prudent man away. A prudent man considers his steps, and then will turn away from evil. Turn away from that. If in doubt, throw it out. It's too risky. We we it, it, it's it's literally Russian roulette. If I had a, a a bunch of cups of of you know lemonade out here and said, like, well you know. Some of them have like 20% arsenic in them and some of them are like 80% and 5%. And you know, one of them's, this one over here, is the, that's the good one. That's the Bible one. Why would you reach for any other one? Why would you do that? Um, Proverbs sixteen two: all ways um, of a man are clean in his own sight. We all think that our way is the right way, which is why then we got to cross check it with, with Scripture. So, our goal in, in the Truth Matters then is like the Bereans, Acts 17 11, our, the Bereans with eagerness, with with diligence, went to the Scriptures to see if it's so. It, it, is this the way I should be thinking about the border? I don't care what you think as a Republican. I don't care what you think as a Democrat. I care what you think as someone who loves Jesus and follows the Bible. Does the Bible have anything to say on that? Does the Bible have anything to say about things like abortion? Yeah, I think it does, right? Um, And so with all eagerness and diligence, we're going to be like Bereans. And then we we, we can... As Ephesians 6, we can stand firm. We can be strong, even though we know that the wicked one is there with the flaming missiles coming at us. Let's pray, Lord.